Your confidence in Christ, that's what we're going to be speaking about this morning. How can we have confidence in our relationship with the Lord? Because uh, it's kind of humbling as a pastor that as I prepare a message each week, I never know who it's going to affect. Uh, A lot of times it's the one that's affecting me. But uh, this is one that uh, I know a majority of you here have claimed to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And believe it or not, it is not easy to live the Christian life. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But before we get into the message, may we pray. God, thank you for the people that you have here this morning. And may each word that is said, may every scripture that is read, touch hearts and lives. Not for my glory or the church's glory, but for yours. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Yes, our confidence is found in Christ and it demonstrates our confidence when he works in us and through us. I wanted to start with a verse that kind of ties in what we're talking about this morning. It's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And I'll have it on the screen there for you if you'd like to see it. But... It says, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. It kind of blows my mind, especially when I was younger. And even when I'm older to know that the things that I do for the Lord have been planned out since before I was even born. Because we have to agree that either God is God and He's in control of everything, or God is not in control. One of the two. You can't have it both ways. You can't have Him in control of one area of your life and not another. He's either God to you or He is not. But I can assure you, whether you and I agree with it, God will always be God. Now, I am not an artistic painter. We have some folks in our congregation that are are very good painters. Some of you are very good doodlers. Some of you can can write a uh, or draw a picture in the sand, but I have no visual artistic ability whatsoever. Now I can slap some paint on a wall with a roller and a brush, but the ability to see something on a canvas before I even start is uh, is not my forte. So I, it got me to wondering. I, I asked Google, okay? I asked Google, what, what makes a painting a masterpiece? And of course, Google had a response. And it returned an article written by Joseph L. Goldstein uh, with the Lasker Foundation. And in this article, he says, Works of art and science that achieve masterpiece status share several characteristics. And check this out. They convey a special type of originality that captures the imagination. I know when they made James Strickland, they only made one. When they made Donna Strickland, they only made one. And all of you in here, all of you are unique and individual in your own ways. And a masterpiece is an original. A masterpiece will stand the test of time. And a masterpiece... It will change the way artists or scientists think about their field in the future. So when we think about masterpieces, if we are God's masterpiece, we have been created exactly like he wants us. It doesn't matter whether you are a back row Baptist, a front row Baptist, or somewhere in between. Each one of us in here have a unique individual walk with God. You are not where I am with God. 
And I am not where you are with God. We are all in different places on this journey. And that's okay. But God is so big. He understands that. But we are God's masterpieces. Let me show you. uh, These are two very famous paintings. Uh, The one on the left is Starry Night by uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, excuse me, by Vincent van Gogh. And then the one on the right is the Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. Has anybody never seen these pictures before? Okay, they are, they're like big time pictures. The Mona Lisa painting is valued at over $830 million right now. That could buy a lot of little Debbie cakes. And the Starry Night is valued at over a hundred million dollars. So not only does masterpieces get change culture and the way people look at things, and not only do masterpieces are they original works, but but they are very valuable. And again, Paul says that you are God's masterpiece. You realize you are the most valuable thing God has ever created? That He's got a plan for you and that He loves you. Paul writes that you and I are God's masterpieces and that we received that title from God himself in Genesis. Not only did he create us, he made us over again through Jesus Christ's sacrifice for our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a very popular passage that says, This means that anyone... Now, what does anyone mean? Anyone is Greek for anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. I think about that. I think about in baptism how that symbolizes the person you were being buried in the watery grave and as you raise up, this is a new person. I think about it when I walk through graveyards. I think about the person that James Strickland used to be. That he is no longer. That that James Strickland before Christ is dead. And then everything that happened after that has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You, my friends, some of you have been Christians as long as you can remember. And it's not always been perfect. Some of you have been right there by God's side and some of you have done some backsliding. I'm a chief backslider too, so you're in good company. But the thing is, is that no matter what you've done, how far you have strayed, God considers you a masterpiece. His greatest creation. We are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And since we are God's masterpieces, we should not disrespect ourselves or others. Because if you disrespect someone else that is made in God's image, that is like you disrespecting yourself. I never understood it why guys that were brothers and sisters would try to cut down each other with your mama jokes. Because they're cutting down themselves. And so when we devalue anybody, when we give anybody a little bit of our attitude, and when we look at people the wrong way and and value people the wrong way, we are not doing what God has created us to do. His plans for you originated long ago, and to achieve them, it takes them strong will and confidence to see it through. We're talking today about how we can have confidence in our walk with Christ. How we can know when the waves come, we will not be swept over. How we can know that when we are walking the tightrope, that the tightrope won't snap. 
How we know that when we are climbing the ladder, that the belt that's got us harnessed in will hold our confidence in Christ. So if you brought your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3 for a moment. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. If you have a Bible app on your phone from Version, there's an outline there that's got all of these points as well. But the first thing that we see in our confidence with Christ is that you can be confident in God's power. You can be confident in God's power. I can guarantee you, as long as we don't have a power outage, if I go stick my finger into one of these electrical sockets, I can guarantee you I'm going to get a shock. It might turn my hair red. You never know. But Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat that actually goes off the coast, like if you've ever gone on a cruise or been on a... How many of y'all have ever been out in a boat where you cannot see any land? Oh, oh the mind games. First you don't see land and then there's no cell service. Oh man, that's terrible. And when you look, no matter what direction you look in, it all looks the same. It amazes me that, that people that study how to, I guess, boating or whatever you call the science of boating... But as, as you study how to navigate with the stars and you study how to, to be able to tell where you're at without electronics, it's amazing to know that, that somebody would know where they are. But me, I would be lost. And when I think of this passage and I, and I think about how wide, how long, and how high and how deep his love is, I think of being on a boat and looking out and seeing nothing but water and sky around me. That's how infinite his love is for us. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power and work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I would underline or I would asterisk or I would do something to verse 20 to remind you that You can do more than you think you can when Christ is in your life. Verse 21 says, Glory to Him in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's a few points that I can take from this. Number one, our power is His power. I'm talking to believers. If you are a Christian, our power is His power. You are not doing things in your own strength, but it is God who is within you. And we talked a little bit about that last week, but think about this. Because of this passage, His resources are glorious. What does it mean when it says his resources are glorious? It means that they point back to him. That the things we do and our struggles and where we we try to do what God wants to do, it gives glory to him. His resources are unlimited. And let me say, his resources are unlimited. They are not throttled after 15 gigs. 
They are not restricted. They are full, unlimited access. His resources give us inner strength. God, Folks, God can be strong for you when you can't be strong yourself. If you've ever walked through adversity, you know what that means. Some of you are living that right now. And it says that His resources are delivered through the Holy Spirit. Now we know because of scriptures, the Holy Spirit is actually God Himself. We call it the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are God. All three have different functions. But still yet, all three are God. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is given to everyone when they pray to receive Christ. When you pray to receive Christ, you gain the Holy Spirit. Everyone. Secondly, when does it come? Do you just kind of find it one day? Is it like, does it come awaken you after certain years? No. The moment you pray to receive Christ, not only do you receive it, but it's given to you at that moment of salvation. And then third, the Holy Spirit indwells in believers permanently. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and He changes your life, and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, then you have that power and that confidence. But now let me tell my, my friends here that were raised in Christian homes and you accepted Jesus Christ when you were just a baby in, in uh, vacation Bible school and this is all you've known. You may not have that great experience of, oh, I was in a motorcycle gang or I was, I was you know, doing all of these terrible things. And, and you might have that, that testimony, I don't know. But the thing is, is that if you've always been a Christian, as long as you know, there's power in that statement because you've had the Holy Spirit with you even before you realized you had it with Him. And folks, there is as much to crow about for God as the God, the things that God has kept you out of than the things that God has delivered you from. If you've led what some would say a boring life but a godly life, you're going to reap the benefits of that. Because I know if you're like me, those moments when as a Christian I've strayed away from that, I read those consequences too. Man, you can't get away with anything if you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit. Eventually it'll come to you. But Christ dwells within us. So we see here that Jesus will work on what you give Him. Jesus will work on what you give Him. Folks, if you give Him half of your life, He'll work with half of your life. If you give Him a hand, He'll work with that hand. If you give Him your mind, He'll work with that mind. But He doesn't want pieces of us. He wants all of us. So my friend, if your life in Christ is not what you hoped it would be, give Him more of yourself. Because I promise you, Jesus will work with what you give Him. Too many times you say, Jesus, I'll give you my Sunday mornings. I'll even give you my Wednesday nights. And, and, and I, But Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, i got these other things I like to do. And, and I know you don't approve of those things, but, but I'll be really good the rest of the week. No, He wants it all. If there's one thing that you want to keep from God, that's the thing that He wants from you. God's love keeps us strong, and God's love, like a coach, will push you to do more than you think you can. I can remember hot days on a football field having to push a man that literally was about this tall. I could have broke him like a twig, but he was a coach. And so you had all these linemen pushing this sled around the grass on a hot day. And he would be talking about how good the water tastes as he was drinking it. And we'd get mad, and the matter we got, the further we would push that sled. And then when we look back, we think, my goodness, we have pushed that thing around three or four laps. 
Never knowing we could do it. Knowing we were mad, but that coach brought the best out in us. That's what God does to us as well. So here's the point. God places you into adversity to strengthen your dependence upon Him and to build your confidence. Think about it just for a moment. Think about those things that you have wrestled with. Think about those things that you are wrestling with. You have depended on God through those things more than you ever have. God does that to draw us unto Himself and to show us that our strength is not going to fix us. The hardest thing for me to endure is to see someone I love go through something that I can do nothing for because it's their journey and not mine. But I can pray and I can hope and I can have faith that God will do what needs to be done. Adversity strengthens your dependence upon Him and it builds your confidence. The second thing that we see that you can be confident in your salvation. You can be confident in your salvation. Romans 10.9 has come up in several sermons in recent days. It's just where the Lord keeps leading me back. That if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will, 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 will be saved. Not might. Not will form a committee and decide. It says you will be saved. Folks, your confidence in Christ can be found in this fact that you were saved, saved, saved. And if you are saved, you will declare to people that you are saved. If you are saved, you will believe that you are saved. And if you are saved, you will act like you are saved. But here's, here's where the big breakdown comes. This is where all of us struggle. Is that your confidence, in, your confidence in Christ should not be based in how you feel. I'm going to show you an illustration that you may have seen before. This is a train. You know, everybody likes trains. How many likes trains? Oh, yeah. Those of you who have kids, are they into trains? No. They will be at some point. I think trains, spacemen, and uh, construction trucks, or, or at least for the boys. I'm not sure about the girls. They might like those things too. That's cool. But for the purpose of this illustration, we've got fact, which is the engine. We have faith which is the cold car, and we have the feelings, which is a caboose. Here's the thing. This train that you see will run without the caboose, right? You've seen trains run without a caboose. You've seen trains. You've seen in your life. You can run life without feelings. However, it would be useless to attempt to pull the train by the caboose. Have you ever seen a train pulled by the caboose? No, because it has no energy. It has no power. It's part of the train. It's valuable to the train, but it is not the driving force. Folks, in the same way, we as Christians do not need to depend on feelings or emotions. But we place our faith in the trustworthiness of God and His promises of His words. Again, Romans 10.9 says that if you believe in Him, you will be saved. That is a fact, Jack. You could take it to the bank that if you have prayed to receive Christ and your life has shown the, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit and you have changed and you, you are not like you used to be, then you are saved. 
But the problem that I have, that I have used this, and I have heard it time and time again, when you're talking to someone about what you're going through, you're talking to someone about God, and you use the words, well, I feel like God is doing this. I feel like this is unfair. I feel like I'm not that much of a Christian. I don't feel it right now. I'm not feeling it. Folks, we can put ourselves in a ditch very quickly by living by our feelings. If you don't ask, if you don't, if you don't agree with me, look at your history. Think about the times when you made an impulse purchase. Think of the times when you lost your objectivity because you felt a different emotion, whether it be anger or love or lust or whatever it might have been and how it got you in trouble. But God bailed you out. You're here today and you can be confident in the fact that if you're a believer, that he is in control of your life. So, but the fact is he who has a son has life. That's in first John five. The faith is, I think of blind Bartimaeus when Jesus told him, go because your faith has healed you. I think of the four men who lowered their paralyzed friend on a mat before Jesus. And it says, seeing their faith, seeing the faith of those four men, lowering that man through the roof, the man who was paralyzed was saved. So facts are the facts. We are saved. John 19 says that no one can snatch them and my sheep out of his hands. If you are a believer, you have that fact. You have the faith. What is faith? Faith is trust. And then the feelings. The human heart. Jeremiah Jeremiah 17.9 says this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how really bad it is? I think of Adam and Eve. They started to go on their feelings and they lost sight of the fact that God said, the fact is that you can eat of everything but this one tree. Now, what this means is, is that does that mean that feelings are bad in, in your relationship with the Lord? Absolutely not. I can remember when I, when I came to a faith in, in the Lord. I can remember that feeling, that the feeling of the Holy Spirit drawing me. I can remember those feelings when, when I disappointed God. Those feelings of grief and regret. See, yes, we do have those feelings in our life. Because if not, we would be cold, we would be calculated, and we would be religious with no feeling at all. But folks, any time we make a decision, any time we go to the Lord and ask Him what we should do, we better make sure it lines up with His Word. We better make sure that we trust Him for that and not let our feelings lead us, but the fact of what His Word says. So I would say this. Your confidence is found in Christ. And it's demonstrated by His working in and through you. If you have received Christ and committed your life to Him, the fact is, the fact is you are saved and special to God. When's the last time you felt special by anyone? When's the last time you felt treasured by anyone? For some of you it's often, but some of you maybe not. Maybe today you came in here thinking... It's just me, myself, and I. 
God says, lift your eyes up. Look at me. You are my masterpiece. You are my child. I love you. And I have plans for your life. And the fact is that I have saved you. Have the faith to trust me. And don't depend on your feelings. Even if you don't always feel that way, your faith enables you to believe and press on even when it doesn't seem right. You know those times where maybe it's been the death of a family member or maybe it's been uh, a job didn't pan out or a relationship didn't work or you didn't get a promotion and it's just you go to bed and you're upset about it and you wake up and it's right there beside your bed waiting on you. And it's just a weight that keeps on and on. But yet, for those of us that are believers, we can just say to ourselves, no, God has got this. And we keep forcing ourselves to give it to God. And the thing is, is that He will take it. Our confidence is not in our ability to handle our problems. That's what the world says. Be a self-made man. Be a self-made woman. Only depend on yourself. If you put yourself first, you won't get hurt. That's wrong. Our confidence is not in ourselves. And our confidence is in God. I have seen many, many senior adults, even my own parents, get so humbled by their health. Those of you that are young, you don't think about this now. But it wouldn't be the first time that I've heard a senior adult say, I never wanted to be a burden to my family. Because they couldn't take care of themselves anymore. You may be young. And you may be vibrant today. But there will come a day when your body will fail. And there will come a day eventually, like Miss Dean, when your spirit will fail. Where is your confidence? In yourself or in Christ? Even if you do not always feel that way, your faith will enable you to press on. If you are confused about where you stand with Christ today, or if you're unsure of your, your confidence in Him today, today is to, to be that engine that, of that train illustration. Have the fact of knowing that you are saved and that you, that you, it's a concrete fact that God says, if you believe in me, you are saved. Stop living by feelings and make your salvation known to yourself and to God today. And then, my friend, you will have all the confidence you will ever need because it will be based in Christ and not in yourself. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for our sermon today, the text that you've given us, the worship that we have had. And, Lord, it's my prayer today that if if anyone here today feels like that they they don't know for sure whether they are a believer, Lord, they would nail that down before they leave because it is a fact. I know in a moment we'll have our invitation and I'll see the knuckles of people turn white as they hang on to that pew. If they don't want to come by themselves, they can bring a friend. But if someone wants to know you today, Lord, may you move in their hearts and prompt them to come forward. We'll pray with them and help them to begin this journey of faith. Maybe there's someone that just wants to come to the altar and pray, join the church, whatever your decision may be, Lord. I don't want anyone to leave here today with unfinished business. May you move, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?